Hello, I'm Rebecca. And I'm Gary. And welcome to episode 26 of Choose Film, a real retrospective podcast, where we take a deep dive into a random film chosen by our guest host. Each session, we will pick a particular theme, and this season, it's cinematic classics. Today, we are joined by Steve Johnson, who has decided he will be taking a look at Memento. So, Steve, thank you very much for joining us. It's lovely to meet you. Can you tell us all a little bit about yourself? Thanks for having me on. Uh, So, my name's Steve Johnson. I am a filmmaker based in Glasgow. Uh, I've made a couple of short films and a couple of feature films, and I have you know, disclaimer here, worked with Gary on numerous occasions. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yes. <laughs> Steve calls it worked with, I call it worked for. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> Perfect. And why did you pick this film, Steve? Okay, so uh, I, I think in terms of, of cinematic classics, um, Memento kind of stands out for me because it, kind of is the first introduction that a lot of people had to Chris Nolan's work uh, being the first thing since his no-budget stuff. So I think this is an interesting one to look at and then have a retrospect back on that if you look at all the other subsequent films that we've come to know Chris Nolan is you know quite famous for, whether that's Batman, Interstellar, uh, Inception, Tenet, etc. I think a lot of that actually stems back to this one. And it's just I think it's just a really interesting story and an interesting way uh, take on a film in a unique way. So I've got a question. Do you think it's a cinematic classic in the eyes of the public or just in the eyes of filmmakers? Do you think a lot of the public would have seen this film or Christopher Nolan fanboys? Well, I think the fa- from the fanboys' perspective, I think people will probably argue that the best Nolan film to date is either Memento or The Prestige. I think there's probably going to be a debate between the two of that. Um, I think Memento's been kind of submitted into the the, the, the Hall of Fame or whatever it is for um, that the Academy have. So I would say, yes, I would class it as a cult classic, um, Probably in the same ways as, you know, I don't know, The 39 Steps, um, you know, Butch Cassidy, any of those ones. Yes, I would consider that majority of people would have probably seen it, Mm -hmm. is my view. No, yeah, that's that's what what we want is we want the guests to pick what is in their their eyes. Because it's not something that jumps to my mind as like a cinematic classic, but I can see why it's been picked at the same time. So I was just, just curious. Yeah, no, I mean, I I would consider that as much as a classic as, say, you know, a modern one, say, I don't know, The Matrix or Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs. You know, those are classics. And I think a lot of people, you know, when you start looking at that classic list, you know, the the number one always one or two tends to be uh, Citizen Kane. You know, now, has everybody seen Citizen Kane? Well, maybe not, whatever, but people would judge it on the story, the the, the the way it's constructed, the story behind it, etc., etc. And I've not seen Citizen's Kane. <laughs> well, you need to go and brush up on your cinematic classics then. <laughs> <laughs> you tell him. <laughs> and Steve, on that note, what would you rate the film out of 10? You see, this is a difficult one because, I mean, okay, no. Asterix notes here, I am a, a, a Nolan fanboy. I do like Chris Nolan's films. Um, I, I'd like them all. I, I would have my own ordering of them. Um, if I was to rate this against his other ones, I would probably say this is about an eight. I would probably go for an eight as well. I would say that Christopher Nolan comes up with a concept, a style, and then decides to try and wrap a story around that and if you took away the the style and the concept of this film it is a very basic story but what it does with that basic story is really interesting so i actually dug out the dvd and the, the old dvd actually has an old feature on it which actually lets you reorder the film so you can actually watch it in chronological order mm-hmm. and actually by the time you watch it in chronological 
chronological order, it does give you a different outtake on the actual film. Yeah. Which is quite interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm scared to say my rating, so <laughs> I gave it a 6.8. Um, the point eight matters. Yes, it does, it does. We've been I've been over the decimals and everything, and this went, I think, yeah, I think I'm gonna land there. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to discussing it and hearing because um it seems get both yourself and Gary are very passionate about the film, so I'm very interested to hear and dissect this. So looking forward to that and for our listeners at home here is a little synopsis Leonard Shelby an insurance investigator suffers from amnesia and uses notes and tattoos to hunt for the man he thinks killed his wife which is the last thing he remembers so let's get started I guess I've already told you about my condition funny every time I see you you don't remember where you've been or what you've just done I can't make new memories everything just fades What's the last thing you do remember? My wife. That's sweet. Dying. You really want to get this guy, don't you? My wife deserves vengeance. When you find this guy, what are you going to do? Kill him. Somebody's got to pay, Lenny. Somebody always pays. You have to be very careful. You wander around playing detective. Maybe you should start investigating yourself. This guy is so dangerous. He's going to kill me. Who is he? What do you want from me? I want my life back. I think someone's trying to get me to kill the wrong guy. You can question everything. You can never know anything for sure. There are things you know for sure. You can't trust him. Even if you get revenge, you're not going to remember it. You're not even going to know that it happened. Who did this to you? You did. So, as you know, we'll now all go around picking three positive points on the film. Uh, Gary, would you like to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. So, my first positive point is just Leonard or Lenny's goal in the film. I just love the way he says that. Lenny! Um, It's just his goal, which is obviously to seek revenge for his wife. It's interesting because usually a character has a goal that's going to change them for better or for worse, but Lenny's goal is never going to change him, and once he's succeeded in that goal, he's never going to remember that, and I think that's an interesting concept. Um, But at the same time, he needs that goal, or else why go on? Why go on with his life? He can't love, he can't keep a job, he doesn't know what he likes and what he dislikes, so this goal, this seeking revenge for his wife that gives him something to live for Uh, and he actually says in the film that Sammy Jenkins didn't have a goal so that's why he couldn't keep his life together but the genius of this is the end goal actually does change it's not about um, seeking revenge for his wife by the end but to keep the mystery going over and over without being manipulated by Teddy and as a writer if you're writing a script or you're writing a book and you do draft after draft after draft and then you finally finish it, you kind of stand about going, what do I do now with myself? I don't know what to do with my time. And that's kind of the way Lenny would feel if he ever worked out that he had completed this goal. He'd be like, right, what now? Like, after he solves this crime, he'd be lost forever. So I think just that in itself is quite an interesting concept whether that story is told backwards or forward or left or right or up or down the fact that he's gone after a goal that he will never remember completing is interesting it's like an objective that just sort of disappears and then comes back and disappears and makes him question a lot of is this my objective then so yeah it's it's interesting how a lot of it wavers in and out like if you work on a project for so long and you know you're getting to the end of it. Sometimes you wish you weren't at the end. You could start the process again. And that's kind of what he's doing. No, I would, I mean, I, yeah, I would agree. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and that that concludes our episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, just think it's an interesting goal. And just talking about goals then, I guess, the other characters, their goals as well is quite interesting how... Teddy is then, like, we're obviously going spoiler-free on this, so... No, 
spoiler, subset of spoiler free. Um, we're going to spoil the shit out of it. We're going to spoil it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other interesting thing is like Teddy's goal is like almost to still be there and still befriend this character, but use it to his own advantage as well. And it's interesting it's told backwards. So we learn this at the end, but we're watching him the whole way through it, wondering what Teddy's goal is. And I guess it's the same with like Natalie and, and things like that as well. I think Teddy's actually just an, just as much of an interesting character as Lenny. Yeah, I mean, I would say they're, they're all interesting. I mean, I would even say, you know, the character of Bert, who is the, 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 the motel manager, is even interesting because, you know, he sits there, he listens to, to Leonard recount, you know, oh, you know, you, you, you know, I have this, this condition. And then he gradually just smiles and he's like, oh, I'm just pulling your leg and all this, whatever, you know, and, and then he sub rents him the second room and, you know, he's charging him more and things like that. So I think each of the characters has an interesting, um, perverted way of reacting to the character of Lenny. And they're all kind of, every character is manipulating him in their own way, even to the point, as you said, with the, the hotel manager, like, double yeah. booking him the room, and Lenny says to him, is this my only other room that I've booked, or have you got me in more, or something like that? And, yeah. it's, and I think it's funny that Lenny can be quite sarcastic. Like, even though he's going through this, he's still quite a sarcastic character, because he knows people are going to take advantage. and He embraces it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it brings it back to what you said at the beginning, Gary, which is... Actually, Leonard is actually manipulating himself as well with this because, you know, obviously there's there's the character of, of Jimmy that, you know, has the same um, initials there as John G, you know, and then so does Lenny. Uh, sorry, so does... Um, I don't know who you're going to say. Is it Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy Grant? Yeah, there's Jimmy Grant. So, you know, he has, uh, he's got the same initials as John G and so does... Teddy's, yeah, Teddy's yeah. real name, yeah, you know, so no matter what, and then when he finds out, he burns the photograph, obviously, spoiler, at the end, you know, so he's consist consistently kind of pushing on this quest, as you quite said, so he is actually manipulating himself, as well as all the other characters, manipulating him. And, and in a way, we have been kind of manipulated by the end of the story as well, because we have watched this film believing that he's on a quest to find the killer when in fact the whole time he's not he's on a quest to keep this turning these these cogs forever turning so that he never he pretty much never finds the killer mm -hmm. yeah and i think this is the genius with the film because we start off and the first thing you see is the end of the film but it's not the end of the film we have a completely different interpretation of that by the time you get to what is the end of the film which is actually midpoint <laughs> of the film. <laughs> I, I knew right away this uh, was going to be an easy movie to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I'll go on to my first point, which is just, again, from the words that we've been kind of thrown about already, is the kind of fairy tale feel about it, very fictional, like Hansel and Gretel leaving breadcrumbs with all those, like, photographs and facts that one of the things that I kind of hooked onto as well there's quite a lot of references to like fictional characters that are to do with like investigating or tracking so there's mention of like Sherlock and Pocahontas and even here we've, we've used the word quest it's very much that you're bought into this idea of Leonard is on a quest to find out who's done this and you're totally on board with it and you are following all these little clues and little breadcrumbs to get him to the resolution so I feel like those kind of like those kind of connotations and images are quite it's quite funny because it's such a dark film <laughs> that you get such images like that um but yeah I quite liked how there was that kind of aspect to it quite a magical aspect I know I know this would kind of ruin it but like you're saying about like the breadcrumbs and why why doesn't he just like use a voice recording machine and rather than being one word on the back of a photo like why can't he just use a voice recorder they were about in 2000 you know or or, or carry an actual well i was going to say carry an actual notepad but he has got the file on everything but could he not carry a notepad that just says 
here's my name, here's what I'm doing, here's my quest, and here's who I trust, and I don't know, there's a bit of me, it's, it's to keep the mystery going, but it kind of brings me out of it a wee bit. It's called being cinematic, Gary. You know, it's, you know, what is more cinematic? Looking at a post-it note or looking at a guy who's tattooing uh, all these things across his body. You tell me which is visually more appealing. No, some of the tattoos I agree with because you can lose a notepad. Mm-hmm. And they're like the, the core kind of facts and information that he needs to know. That's why he's imprinting them yeah. on himself to do that. But and remember, he's got the map there. He's got the map um, that he puts the photographs on. Right, but my thing is more like, don't trust anything he says, talking about Teddy. Mm-hmm. Now, if he had something bigger to write on than the back of a photograph, he could have, uh, a photograph, he could have wrote, don't trust Teddy because blah, 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 blah. But then the film would be over, Gary. <laughs> and also, uh, I suppose part of it as well is there's the adrenaline of him wanting to remember in the moment, like... It's very much touch and go because the moments where he's in that state of mind where he's like, I need to write this down, it sometimes ends quicker than other times, if that makes sense. So yeah. it could be part of that of I need to get the, the basics down like straight away before I lose track of anything else. I see what you're saying. True, true. And the bit that is really great and that is when Natalie shouts abuse at him and walks out the door and he's like scrambling for a pen to try and write something down because I think they do say in it that under stress it happens faster so yeah because she slams the car door and that snaps him back out but if you notice at the beginning again comes back to the manipulation element at the beginning of that scene when she walks in the first thing she does is goes and grabs all the pens and puts them in her bag yeah so we can't remember yeah absolutely and I think it's like anything as well, whenever someone goes, remember this, remember this number, and you're like, okay, okay, and you're trying to <laughs> say it in your mind over and over again, and then when they go, okay, do you remember the number? You're like, I think so, I don't know. And um, Yeah, it's a relatable moment of trying to remember something and note it down in time before you forget. Yeah. Uh, Steve, what's your first point? Well, actually, it's a nice lead in there, because mine is the switching between the beginning of the film and the end of the film in terms of the colour and the black and white bits, that that actually does force you to try and remember. So as each segment goes, you're actually trying to remember where the last one started and left off and what happened. And then you're doing that subsequently along the two timelines going forward and back. So for me, it's got to be structure. I think, you know, we're used to now films since... Uh, memento where they have this structured narrative whether it's um pulp fiction whether it's the usual suspects things like that but we've got to remember this was chris nolan's very first hollywood feature film in within the within the studio system so everything that we've come to know about nolan actually started off with this and it i think it's actually interesting to look at this as a starting point again subsequently for what he's done afterwards you know even from the opening scene you know so you know which literally plays back in reverse i think that's the only scene that plays technically back in reverse throughout the entire film yeah yeah it's up until the gunshot isn't it yeah exactly whatever and everything plays back the way so you know if we look at you know his last film tenet you know, you can see he's starting to play with those concepts very early on, even though we do have this fractured nature of time for which Chris has been synonymous with ever since. And I agree with looking at stuff like Pulp Fiction and Usual Suspects as well. One thing I would say is this film almost has to be told in this order for it to work, whereas Pulp Fiction, I would disagree that it has to be in that order they just do it for a stylistic choice Mm -hmm. you know same with usual suspects whereas this film i feel it needs it for it to work pulp fiction would still be a very stylistic film if it was told chronologically yeah and and i think if you actually look at memento and you watch it chronologically um then it actually brings an, another interesting meaning to that film, you know, because if you think about it, you're watching all the black and white things first, 
So he's on the phone, he's getting this information. So actually, it does become more of a detective story as it goes along. You know, so actually the point of no return, that you know, slap bang in the middle, is him actually killing or, you know, taking out Jimmy halfway through there. And he's got to rectify that. So that then leads him in, you know, through the second half of the second act and into the third act, which is then, you know, um, all about how he's going to literally frame Teddy going forward. Yep. Interesting. Uh, and that goes nicely on to my second point, which is that, the style works perfectly, like telling this story backwards, because obviously Lenny doesn't remember what happened five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes before. So then we as the audience aren't entitled to know what happened earlier. We're literally placed in his shoes. And it works well because he doesn't actually know how long ago this crime was committed and how long he's been on this mission. And because he doesn't remember time passing how can his wounds heal time heals everything but if you can't physically feel time moving then you're not going to heal from whatever's happened to you whether that be a breakup or a death in the family or something like a murder and it's heartbreaking for like to watch him suffer that like there's this scene where you don't know this at the point but he's hired the prostitute to wake up and pretend to be his wife and then she slams the door and he wakes up almost looking for her around the room and scenes like that are probably probably my favorite scenes because it adds just a bit of emotion into it rather than just be the crime and the investigation it's these heartwarming scenes like that it's the same with when Natalie verbally abuses him. You just feel for that character because you know everything she's saying is true. She's been horrible while saying it, and you know that the poor soul isn't going to remember in fifteen minutes. Or in that scene, it's like maybe thirty seconds. But that segues nicely into one of my points as well, which are the sort of questions that you ask yourself as an audience member when you're watching the film. There's some interest and thoughts and points. I think it's Teddy that says it, or Natalie as well, but. Leonard's asked a few times, like, is it worth it if you don't remember, you know, all of this, this whole quest for revenge and getting to the bottom of this case, is it all worth it if you're not going to remember it and things? And I think that is quite a an important deep question. Sometimes we do get so caught up on what we want that we go, yeah, but am I going to, is it going to be an enjoyable experience or am I going to find the enjoyment at the end? I don't know. I just thought it was very um, interesting and a, an honest question um, to consider. Yeah, well, he does say on it as well that he's not doing it for him and it doesn't matter if he's going to remember it or not. It's not about him. It's about his wife and redemption for her and what happened to her. So it doesn't matter if he doesn't remember of any of the other characters forget about him or if he's killed in the process, he just has to seek that revenge. What's interesting by the time you get to the end of the film is, does he mean that? Because he changes what his goal is because it does matter to him because he doesn't want to end up lost and alone with no purpose. So he's actually lying to himself there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which plays into the whole manipulation thing. Again, you know, every character in there is manipulating the situation, including Leonard. Yeah. What do you think about the whole idea with, well, this might be one of your points, so if it is, just jump in, uh, the Sammy Jenkins character and how much truth is in that and not? Do you believe? I think it's, I, I think it's typical Nolan. You know, I think it's one of those things that I think if you, if, if you were to ask Chris Nolan is the Sammy Jenkins character, really the character of Leonard and his wife, I think Chris would probably say no. I don't think he would say anything in the same way that he won't confirm or deny the spinning top at the end of Inception. You know, I, I think there are certain things out there that don't need to be answered. And I think as an audience member, you can watch a film and take away your own belief in that you know, in that story of, you know, is this or isn't it? I think um, Teddy says that he was, was he a drug dealer? I can't remember now. Uh, or no, he was a... A scam artist. A scam artist, that was it, yeah. Um, you know, is that true or not? We don't know. All we've got is that, remember Sammy Jenkins on his hand. So do you, what you say that Christopher Nolan 
lets you go away with whatever you believe. So what do you believe? Mm-hmm. Um, I would believe that the semi Jenkins is not him and his wife. Is okay. how I would interpret that. So, so you think that it was someone else with the same condition? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what so, I yeah. think. But again, you know, this is the great thing that Nolan sparks is he sparks controversy in terms of everyone's opinion of these things. Yeah. And, you know, if anyone's got the opposite opinion, that's absolutely fine. I would say that it's... I think it's very hard to believe that two people with such an irregular condition would cross paths. So... To, and then... To cross paths in such a level where um, Lenny is basically not paying out, well, the insurance company isn't paying out, and for that to be a thing, then I have to believe that Lenny believed really that he was a scam artist, and mm-hmm. but then used parts of that and his condition if he was in a mental home. That's what I take from because it's just, it, yeah, it's rare, but it does happen. Um, but does does Leonard not? This condition comes from, is it? Well, maybe I've missed I've missed something, but I thought it came from the sort of trauma of the incident. That's yeah, that was the impression I got accident. from it. Yeah, yeah, it comes from the accident there. You know, so so when he's been attacked, you know, he believes that someone there was someone else, a second person that slapped him behind the head. That's when he lies down, and that's when he sees his wife dying. You know, um, or not dying, or not dying again. Here comes to the, you know, is that the case? Did she die or did she, you know, uh, get Leonard to inject her with multiple bouts of um, insulin? Yeah. So how, how did she die if she did die in the bathroom again? Um, I think it was strangulation. It was, it was the, sh- I don't know whether it was a, it wasn't a bag. I don't know whether it was the yeah, suffocation by the, the shower curtain. I think yeah. Because my question is, what is the other person doing while that's happening in the bathroom you know who knows maybe debating this film yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) running their own podcast in the other room (laughs) steve you're next okay so uh, i think my second point would just be i think down to some of the acting i think some of the little intricacies that you really don't think of that just kind of that kind of just smacks you in the face I think the most standout one, I think, is when Leonard is coming back into the motel and instead he goes to push the door and he walks into it and then he's got to pull it, which I think is just a really nice little touch of someone who doesn't remember things and just to, to push in the door. And I, you know, instead of opening it as a, as a matter of course, I think that um, kind of cements the whole... You know, coming back to the semi Jenkins story of when they're doing the tests with the electrical things, whatever, that he doesn't remember which one he would think through conditioning. Um, so I think some of the acting things like that, and the same with, with you know, um, Carrie Ann Moss's character with Natalie or whatever, and just the way that she just kind of reacts and, and, and things. The acting for me is, is outstanding in it. See, I think, ah, oh, the way. I think that... Go on, Gary. You know you want to. Christopher Nolan's... Look, I can never make a film anywhere near as good as what Christopher Nolan does, but I think sometimes his characters can be quite bland. I think the protagonist, who's not even given a name in Tenant, that is quite a bland character to watch on screen. But for me, I think Guy Pearce's... Like those wee moments, Steve, you're right, like where he like walks into the door, or there's a part where he wakes up and bangs his elbow and he's like, Where the hell am I? Because he goes to get out the same side of his bed that he normally would, but then he's not in his own bedroom and we've all done that. We're woken up and went, Well, where where the hell am I? But I think the Leonard's character is quite bland, but it works so well because he's lost. He's, so he would have this blank facial expression on his face all the time anyway, so it works for this. I think I can never pronounce the actor's name, but Joe Pantalano. Yeah, probably butchered that. Joe. I think we'll just call him Joe. <coughs> well, Joe or Teddy. Um, I think he's the strongest character in it because he looks like someone that is just trying to help his friend through this crisis the whole way through it, even to the point where they're in 
at the end of the film and they're in that rundown shack looking building and he almost like grips his cheek he's like that's why you're so good at it like and stuff like that and it's just wee parts like that and when Lenny gets into the car after coming out of Natalie's house and he's like who the fuck are you and he's like I'm your friend Teddy you've got photos in your pocket I'm probably on one of them and you can just tell this is like a process of repetition for him and it makes you wonder why he's not just gave up on the character and obviously by the end of it you work out it's because he's also using them but I do think uh, Joe Joe's great in it yeah and he, I, I, think the th- I think the triangle works between the three of them between mm-hmm. Natalie between Leonard and between Teddy I think you know with those that the, the three of them complement each other in terms of character yeah, and the first thing that I seen him in, which is funny because Carrie Ann Moss was in it as well, was The Matrix, and obviously he is spoiler, a bad guy in it. It was hard to trust him in this. Did you ever do that when you're watching someone who you know has been a villain in something else? You're like, mm, don't know if I can trust you, especially in this type of film where it is all mystery. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think that you know it plays to the strengths. But uh, likewise, you would say, well, is he or isn't he? Again, you know, it comes into that. That you know, you get to the end of the film, and is he or isn't he? What you know? Yes, he was trying to manipulate the situation. Yes, I think we all agree on that. But you know, was he doing it for the right reasons or the wrong reasons? Again, it's it's very very great ground. I think this is the great thing with Memento is a lot of those characters are really grey grounded. Yeah, and even though he is using them, there is parts where he is actually trying to help him, mm-hmm. like. He has just killed this man and he's driving about in that guy's car with that guy's clothes on. And he is like, what are you doing still here? Why are you still dressed in those clothes? And you at that point don't know why he's worried about that so much. But yeah. then you work out that it's actually because Guy Pierce has killed someone. <laughs> yeah, and I think this can be the most confusing of the Nolan films if you really want to you know, try, try and look at it. Whatever. If you're going into it blind not knowing, I think this would be probably more confusing than, say, if you're trying to watch uh, Inception or Tenet. Mm -hmm. I I think this is one of Chris's stronger films where the characters are are better characters than in possibly some of the other films. But, you know, you've got to remember Chris, you know, is coming into this having just done Following, which, again, is a very structured... Uh, fractured storyline and again this is you know what he does going forward he does this fractured time jump or he uses that time as as another character mm-hmm. okay gary have you got your third point i do um, and we kind of just touched on that lately there is just some of the humor that's in the film as well i think works really well um like when he kicks the motel door open and it's the wrong door it's like the wrong room, and um, oh yes, <laughs> he's looking yeah. through the peephole. Yeah, yeah, I just think it works so well, and he's like, "Sorry," and then it's the next one. It's the six is upside down, or it's the nine. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a nine, whatever, and it should really be the six. Yeah, yeah. So. And when he comes back around, and if he works out that he's running, he's like, "Okay, why am I running?" Okay. I'm chasing this guy. And then the guy fires a gun at me. He's like, oh no, he's chasing me. (laughs) And that use of voiceover works really well. We spoke about the manager um, booking two different rooms to just see um, if he would notice. And parts like where he finds a gun and he's like, they wouldn't let someone with my condition have a gun, so it's clearly his. And just small, wee humorous parts that work really well for some light, light relief. So if you don't quite know what's going on you're still enjoying the story and enjoying the characters yeah, yeah. No, i would agree whatever you know and they are scattered throughout i mean it is a fun movie to watch with things like that mm-hmm. yeah it definitely releases some of the heaviness <laughs> yeah. up a bit. Yeah. Which, which it does need it does need absolutely so uh yeah my final point would probably be just kind of what you were talking about steve with the sort of black and white moments um, I also quite liked how the sounds in those moments kind of also reflected the kind of theme of the film. So I was hearing sounds like it sounded 
it sounded like cogs or like machinery as if someone was maybe glitching or rewinding um which I thought was quite clever and just added to the whole stress of him trying to remember and think back um and also this kind of comic book feel to it as well um yeah I thought it was those little details and how it looked and how it sounded also added to the film for me I quite liked how the black and white wasn't just desaturated it wasn't grey it was still like a stylized black and white yep. not so much Sin City or anything like that but it still you can tell it was graded uh, to to look like that and obviously with going forward with Christopher Nolan like Dunkirk there's three different timelines and one is like is it not an hour a day and a week isn't it yeah and with this I feel similarities here because the stuff that's moving backwards seems to be over a good amount of hours, but the stuff moving forward, it could it feels like maybe just 30 minutes. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. I, f- I found quite interesting that we're going at these different paces and then obviously looking at Nolan's later work, he's obviously emphasised that and went further with that, those stylistic techniques. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I mean, if you take it, and all the black and white stuff is, is generally that phone call if you think how long that phone call is broken down for, you know, yes, you're right. That's a very short period is what we're looking as in the color sequences, which is over a longer period of time. And, you know, you're quite right, Gary, you know, in terms of like Inception, sorry, not Inception, uh, Interstellar, you know, it's a very similar thing whereby, you know, when they go down to the water planets, you know, it's, you know, a significantly longer time down uh, up there than it is down on the planets. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and then we and then we fracture that totally left, right, and centre when you start talking about tenets. Yeah, that's a, that's another that's another episode though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do I, I, what I did give Christopher Nolan credit for with this film as well is that when it cuts back with, like to each scene that's going backwards, it ends each scene and starts each scene on something that you're going to remember so as it comes back to you know exactly where you are in the story rather than like coming up going one hour before or yeah five hours before or one night before like you just need to find your own bearings and so there is that part at the motel where teddy comes in and he does that lenny and then so we come back to that iconic voice and that tone you're like okay i remember him saying that already and i know where i am same with um Carrie Ann Moss with the slamming of the door um, of the car, things like that. It just helps ease you into it and find your way. And I found it harder with the black and white stuff, but that's because it is just one phone call and there's only so much you can do with that. They do have small things like um, creating the new tattoos and stuff like that, which I thought was really unusual as well, how he was imprinting the tattoos on himself. But I think what you've just described there is is the genius of the film, which is it's trying to almost put you in the narrative of the lead character of how you think and you've got to remember these things. You know, I mean, you know, if you want, Gary, we'll give you a load of post-it notes and you can write them all down as you go along. <laughs> is there just the back of a Polaroid? Yeah, yeah he wants a notebook, remember? He wants a notebook, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I just think, like, well, if this film was created now, there would be so much at the character's hands to help and I guess I'm looking at it from Mm -hmm. a modern film but then even when you look at the year that it was made and if it's set in that year as well then there would have been some tools at his disposal that even if we were given a reason for him not to use it it's the same thing when I watch a film or a TV show like a spy film and they're going to break into somewhere and suddenly they've got the janitor's uniform to get in or suddenly out of nowhere they've got the paramedic's uniform to get into this building and I want to like I don't mind but how did you get it I don't need to know the full story but I want to know how you've managed to get your hands on that and in the same way then I would quite like to know why is Lenny not using this or that does that make sense yeah yeah, but I think that's it's kind of at the time I mean what was it it was uh, early early 2000s yeah so, you know, we don't have mobile phones. We don't have, you know, the Polaroid was, I think, the the, the quickest way. I, don't, I mean, it's probably gauging on digital photography, but still, 
you know, Polaroid is. And again, you know, I, I suppose at the end of the day, as a filmmaker, you will know, Gary, is sometimes you say, okay, what's not the easiest? What is the, the better looking or the more cinematic way of portraying? And actually being able to have that uh, Polaroid being developed, etc. you know, in, in real time, I think is a really nice cinematic way of, you know, explain the story and for him to make the notes then and to remember remember things in an instant. No, it, it definitely adds something to it. It does it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll, I'll agree. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve, what would be your final point? I don't know, because I think we've, we've kind of touched on all my main points of it. Um, you know, I, I mean, there's some things you don't really think about, like the soundtrack that, that actually started really resonating with me i was i was watching it again last night and actually i started hearing more things in the soundtrack that i've never really noticed before so you know obviously this is chris's second film after following but i actually started to hear some of the soundtrack which i perceived to be in following in memento you know um and it was funny because then i watched straight after memento last night i watched tenet and again it's looking at these two films, Memento and, and Tenet, as bookends of a career so far. The the similarities, you know, again, brings us back around to that opening shot of, you know, the, the, the Polaroid. It's, it's reversing, it's developing. And then you've got the whole reversal of that one shot. And then you look at what he's done in, in Tenet you know, in terms of reverse photography and reversing the story flow, which seems quite natural. But I think overall, my, my point is, it it's a nice film to look at if you look at all of his other films, that a lot of them stem to what we see in this film. I think that's a fair point. We've got, like, characters, as we said, manipulating each other, but we've also got characters lying to themselves and that's obviously the big reveal at the end and these themes do travel through Christopher Nolan's future films mm-hmm. as well and even if you looked at the the Joker and the Dark Knight one of his big things that he's actually saying there is the city is lying to itself and who's controlling the city and we're all pretending we're in these great places when we're not and I'm going to prove that, that the world's not so great and if you can hide away from either whether you look at it as Lenny has um, basically overdosed his wife or wasn't there to protect his wife and he's going to seek revenge, it's better to hide in a world where, or hide away from that world basically and pretend to yourself that it didn't happen the way you might perceive it did. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. There's another. I was going. To, there's another film like that, but I'm scared in case it gives away a spoiler. <laughs> so I was going to say Shutter Island, but well, that's on. That's on one of my notes as well. Is it's the exact same type of ending that I felt was. Is it better to die a hero or live knowing that you're the villain? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I also just... quite like the sensations in the film. Like, there's a lot of attention to. When he's especially when he's talking about his wife, like he's talking about how she moved and her skin, you know, her hair and things like that. And it's all about getting back to basics of okay, what do I feel? How how do things taste? And I quite liked attention to detail on on those sort of parts of the film. Well, I guess as well, it would be small wee details that you might remember because mm-hmm. there is that scene where uh, Natalie says to him what do you remember about your wife? And he says something like, oh, I loved her. And he's like, no, what do you remember about her? As in personality, what was she like? Yeah, what close she... your eyes, yes, yeah. tell me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And you wonder how much of that is made up when he does it? Mm-hmm. Oh, don't do that. But you do, though, because he's, but he's kidding himself. So how much of what he's actually speaking is, is the truth? You know, how much is he manipulating them as much as he's manipulating? How much is he manipulating them as they're manipulating him? You know, because he knows he's got this condition, obviously as well, so he can almost play on it. I know there's certain stuff that is obviously true because people try and trick him and it doesn't work. But yeah, yeah, and I think I think I think the thing which you know I've heard some people say is, oh, how can he remember that he's got the condition? But 
again, it's the reference, and it all comes down to the Sammy Jenkins um, thing on his hand. Is he looks at that, he can remember because that's prior to the accidents, so he can. So it's the trigger, absolutely. You know, so. But how does he look down at that? And when it says remember Sammy Jenkins, yeah, he'll remember he had short term memory loss. But how does he know that he's got that? Don't know. Can't remember. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> bravo, bravo. <laughs> Perfect. I think that's all of um, our points. So does anyone have any other notes or anything? There is one thing oh. I noticed, and it's when Teddy is... I'm saying I noticed, actually. It was uh, Karen that noticed, so my partner. But um, when Teddy is saying to Lenny, don't trust her, she'll lie to you, talking about the Natalie character, just that he's saying, like, you're now staying at our house, but you can't trust her, you can't write that down, write down it, you can't trust her. He writes it down in a different style of writing than mm -hmm. the rest of his notes. And it's I think that's his way of going, I know I've wrote this, but there's something not right about what I've wrote. Yeah. And that it's never explained, they, they don't go into it in any more detail, but I think that's just a small, wee interesting thing you might notice second time round. Yeah. Or third time, or fourth time, or fifth time. Yeah. 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 I think for me it's one of those films that um, I'll maybe watch again or watch it in the different order that you were talking about, Steve. Um, because sometimes I just... I, I like films that are sort of keeping you on the edge of your seat and kind of questioning, but sometimes I just found it a little bit jarring, um, kind of the moving back and forth. And I just didn't like that nobody was nice. Everybody was nasty and manipulative. Like, like Gary, you were talking about how Teddy was being his pal, but I just saw Snake head to toe. <laughs> If I'm honest, um, I just thought that everybody was just out for themselves. And I kind of wish that we just had moments where it was kind of genuine and you've ruined, you've taken away that <laughs> that bit where he thinks about his wife from me as well now, Gary. <laughs> and that was a really nice moment that I was holding on to. Um, I think, though, that like we can't trust these characters and they're made to not be trustworthy because... Lenny can't work out if he can trust them. And I think they genuinely do have nice moments. I genuinely think Teddy is worried for Lenny's safety when he is driving around in someone's car who's been murdered by him and he's wearing his clothes. And there's a scene where Natalie is right near the start of the film, but near the end of the story, try and work that out, um, where she gives... Uh, Lenny the license plate number and she's doing that because Lenny has been able to help her so there is nice moments between these characters it's just you still don't know if you can trust them and Natalie is probably I would say more of a snake than Teddy um, that's debatable I know but <laughs> like can you imagine being in her shoes though and this guy shows up at the bar at your work dressed in your boyfriend's clothes or whoever he was to her and his car, like, you would freak out. And it's weird that we don't get a scene to see that. Yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. I think when you're watching it, obviously, because it is flashing back, you're getting these moments of, like, immediately when Teddy comes on, I think that's the beauty of the characters that that actor kind of plays. It's very much like, there's something not quite right, but I don't know what it is. Like, even in Matrix and stuff, you're like, hmm, he's too he's too keen, he's too sketch. <laughs> um, but with the Natalie character, you're totally like, oh, she seems like she genuinely really wants to help him. And then towards the end, when you see the big argument and the fight and everything, you're like, oh, no, just someone just... Be pure, be honest. Maybe that's just that's just me. I just but but are those characters not just boring? You know, you 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 want a character that's going to be you know manipulative or not perfect. I think that's what makes a good character. If you've just got the perfect character, I think it just becomes boring because they start doing the right thing all the time. Yeah, I think there needs to be some sort of range. But for me, every character. The overarch, the over, the objective was: I'm doing this to get what I want at the expense of Lenny. But the question is: Are you thinking that as it goes along? Are you thinking, "Oh, that's a nice person," until you get to a point? 
So again, it is in retrospect. Let me get to the point. So as we're like revealing parts of the film and seeing that, oh, she's actually done that because of X, Y, and Z, and Teddy's behaving this way because of that. It's it sort of it tricks you, and it's it's the good thing about the film, but also the thing about the film that I'm also like. I, I like it, but I dislike it for that reason as well. I think it's very clever in what it does. Um, but I think if I definitely, I'd, lo- I'd really like to watch it from the other direction <laughs> um, <laughs> just to see how that evolves for me. Interesting to see it from that perspective rather than going backwards. I, th- I think as well, if there was a nicer character in it, they'd be there to be killed because that's usually what happens. There would be someone there who would be like nice trying to take care of them, they would end up murdered and it would look to Natalie or Terry as a, a who did it. And well look at the bright side, Dodd or Dude or whatever. He he survives whatever. They send him off packing, you know, so you've got someone that survives. <laughs> oh that's cool. yeah. yeah, okay. I have changed my mind. There you <laughs> no, go. I liked Bert though. I did I liked the kind of relationship that they had. Um, I know that obviously he's not like considered as like a main character, but um, that exchange, I found him more genuine than the other two <laughs> the short exchange that they had. Well, he he was definitely genuine because when he had turned around and went, oh, this isn't your room, and Lenny's like, well, why is my writing in this room? He's like, all right, this was your room, we sold you another room just to see if you would notice. He didn't have to explain that, so he was quite genuine and, and those scenes, which I, I found But great. Leonard says, you know, well, at least you're, you, you're being honest about ripping me off. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. See? <laughs> um, I think what's great is these characters that are manipulating them, it makes you question humanity. And is humanity nice or are they all just, is everyone just out for themselves and what would you do? That's what it's questioning, though, is every person he runs into is manipulating them and it makes you question your belief in humanity to the point where he's manipulating himself. So it does make you think, oh, that's what I took away from it. I mean, everyone's got a bit of good and bad in them, but mm-hmm. this just felt like quite a lot of bad. I'm out for myself and that's it. Um, so, wonderful. Okay, so after our analysis, has anyone's final ratings changed at all? I will stick with my eight point, eight point, my eight out of ten. I think, yeah. Um, I think it is a good wee film. I think you learn more the more you watch it. Steve, yeah, I, 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 I will, I will stick with my eight. I will, I will probably argue that with the with the Nolan purists out there, they'll they'll argue whether it's this or the Prestige. Um, you know, on a flip side, whatever I would probably say, Inception is probably my favourite Nolan film to date so yeah, far. I love but that. you know, that's uh, that 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 that's that's a podcast for another time. But no, I'm going to stick with my eight. Yeah, and I, I think I'm just going to stick as well. To be honest, <laughs> even <laughs> uh, that point eight. Yeah, even that point eight. It's yeah, six point eight for me. But um, Inception, um, I I really like that one as well. So come back and talk about that one. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure we will. If Gary Gary lets me back on. I'll let you back on. He doesn't need to be here. It's fine. (laughs) Um, Perfect. Well, we'll take a little break and be back with the quiz, our fun fact of the day, and our short film recommendations. Have I told you about Sammy Jenkins? Mm. Yeah. I'm sick of hearing about the guy. What about John G? You think he's still here? Who? Johnny G, the guy you're looking for. I mean, that's why you haven't left town, am I right? Maybe. Leonard, look, you have to be very careful. Why? The other day you mentioned that maybe somebody was trying to set you up, get you to kill the wrong guy. Well, I go on facts, not recommendations, but thank you. Lenny, you can't trust a man's life to your little notes and pictures. Why not? Because your notes could be unreliable. Memory's unreliable. Ah, please. No, 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 really. Memory's not perfect. It's not even that good. Ask the police. Eyewitness testimony is unreliable. The cops don't catch a killer by sitting around remembering stuff. Right. They collect facts. They make notes and they draw conclusions. Facts, not memories. That's how you investigate. I know. It's what I used to do. Look, memory can change the shape of a room. It can change the color of a car. And memories can be distorted. They're just an interpretation. They're not a record. And they're irrelevant if you have the facts. 
And we're back for our quickfire quiz round. Myself and Gary will ask Steve five questions about the film. I know. And remember, it's just for fun, Steve. So don't panic. <laughs> no panic. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's Gary. Of course I'm going to panic. He's out to get me now. <laughs> We've known kind. each other too long. We know. <laughs> um, perfect. Uh, Gary, do you want to go for your first question? Yes. So, what is the title of the short story of which the movie is based on? Uh, oh, it's Jonathan Nolan, which is Chris's brother's story. Um, is it Memento Moi? Or something like that? Um, Memento Mori. Mori. I, I knew and I, I could uh, see the spelling of it. I'll give you a half a point. <laughs> I'll forgive <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give him a point eight. Um, who is Natalie's boyfriend? Jimmy. Okay, what is the former profession of Lenny? The former profession is a uh, insurance investigator. Yes. Cool. What is the name of the bar where Natalie works? Oh, 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 yes. It's in blue writing as well. No, it's gone. That's okay. Ferdy's bar. That's it. Okay. What note does Leonard find taped to his thigh? Shave me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's it. See, I thought you were going to go more technical with that. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> what is Leonard's wife called? Oh... See, I, I've got this tattooed across the front of my chest or whatever, but oh, I, okay. <laughs> I need a mirror to go in. <laughs> my mind's gone blank. Uh, you know, it's gone. It's gone. Catherine. Yeah. And what does Natalie do to test whether Leonard's condition is real or not? What does Natalie do to test whether his condition is real? Oh, um... They, they they grog into oh. the beer, don't they? Yes, that, yes. that's probably the, the grossest thing ever. And on that point, I will never trust Gary going to buy me a pint again. <laughs> what kind of car did Jimmy drive? Jimmy drove a Jaguar. Yes, he did. And what is the hotel called where Leonard stays? Comforting. Nope. I'm sure it's called the Discount Inn. Discount Inn, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. you had you had me doubting myself there. I know. I was like, <laughs> I think, yeah. Um, and uh, what object did Sammy continue to pick up in his test? Well, that Sorry. would be like the pyramid triangle one. Yeah, the pyramid. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Perfect. Nice. See, not too What's... painless. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was expecting you to get 10 out of 10. I thought, like, you know, saying that you're like a Christopher Nolan fanboy and that. I was, you know, Do you know what? Saying. I would challenge anyone when I they're know. put on the spot here to <laughs> try you on and the stand, do it. Gary. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Well, now we're going to share our fun fact of the day. Um, Gary, what is your fact? So, in medieval Germany, married couples could legally settle their disputes by fighting a martial duel. To even the field, the man had to fight from inside a hole with one arm tied behind his back. The woman was free to move and was armed with a sack filled with rocks. Love it. Uh, okay, then. So, um, I, I, so what word can you take three letters away and still make it pronounce the same way? Um, You've really got to think about this one. Yeah. Oh, I can't think. I feel I've I've answered this question before in a quiz, and I cannot think what it is. Please, no, well, put me well, out of misery. Empty. Oh, right. So if you take the word empty, E M P T Y, yeah, take uh -huh. out the M. Uh -huh. Sorry, uh, E M P. Take out the P. Mm -hmm. You've got M T. So you can take out one letter. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Take out the Y at the end. You've got mm -hmm. E M and T, T. So it's pronounced empty. Mm -hmm. and then take out the E at the beginning and you get M and T. 
So you've taken out mm. three letters there, but the word's still the same. Interesting. I feel there's a few words like that, isn't there? I'm gonna. I'll send. I'll send you some. I'll spam your <laughs> inbox with other ones. <laughs> oh, listen, listen. I found that one on Instagram. <laughs> Sliding into them DMs. Um, <laughs> perfect. Well, my fun fact. Um, it's fun, but it's not fun and enjoyable experience. Uh, but yeah, like the characters in Memento. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's. Just, I'm picking. The, it's all tying in with the themes and the genres. Tell me. Um, so, riding a roller coaster could help you pass a kidney stone. Nice. Is that medically proven? <laughs> uh, it, it says it is, yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, there was a test carried out at um, Walt Disney's, one of their railroad roller coaster things. <laughs> they mm. tested it out and, yeah, helped people... The number was just 16% of those seated in the front. So I think that was the 64% kidney stone pass rate for those seated in the rear of the roller coaster. So there you go. It must have accidentally happened. (laughs) Yeah, I bet you. Someone came off that and went, you'll never guess. (laughs) It was an enjoy, on this review, it was an enjoyable experience and also helped me pass the kidney stone. (laughs) Well, now this is the part of the show where we are going to recommend a short film that we've watched recently and where we can find it online. Um, Gary yep, so mine is a foreign short film called Elefante it's a Spanish film and it's basically about a man who gets diagnosed that he's going to turn into an elephant it sounds so random, it is but there's a heartwarming story in there, it's won a few awards and the practical like monster effects with the transformation are amazing so go check it out. It's only nine minutes long, so it shouldn't take you that long. And is that on YouTube or Vimeo, Gary? Um, it's on Vimeo. I will put a link in the show notes. Okay. Uh, short film I uh, suggest going to watch is a film called The Neighbour's Window. Um, so it won the Academy Award for Best Short Film last year. Uh, it's an American film. Uh, it's about a couple who are looking at the apartment block opposite and are watching their their neighbours kind of move in and how that relationship kind of goes as they are watching the neighbour's window. So, as I said, it won the Academy Award uh, for Best Short Film and it's available on Vimeo to watch for free. Nice. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, my short film recommendation is a film called Cake. Um, six minutes long on YouTube. Really, really enjoy it. Um, it stars Letitia Wright and Maxine Peake um, and again the cinematography in it just really reminded me of Memento as well which is uh, why I kind of went for it very like black and white um, and it's basically about two characters that are on the run on the way to nowhere and out of water and just weighing up their options so a bit of dark comedy nice yeah um, excellent Perfect. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. It was lovely to meet you. And thank you for bringing Memento with you. Uh, Can you please let our listeners know where they can find you on social media and keep up to date with all of your projects and other works? Yeah, so uh, thanks a lot for having me, guys. It's, it's been a blast this afternoon. Um, no, you can find me on Instagram uh, or Facebook at uh, SNJ Filmmaker. Um, and if you want to have a look at any of my work, you can go head over to Amazon Prime and go and search for my latest feature film called Convergence, which won the 2019 British Independent Film Festival and the Cardiff International Film Festival for Best Feature Film. So if you've got 97 minutes, then go and go and watch that, whatever. And uh, for anyone that's liked this uh, with the uh, with the Chris Nolan kind of, you know, review memento, then this actually stars Jeremy Theobald, who was uh, the lead in Following, which was Chris Nolan's very first feature film. So you can check that out on Amazon Prime. Oh, awesome. I might and watch I that can, tonight, Steve. Yeah, I can definitely recommend it as well. I got the chance to see it twice and really enjoyed it. So go check out Only Steve's twice, work. Gary. Twice. Well, Gary, go and watch it on Amazon Prime. <laughs> go on, whatever. No, if you if you watch it once, twice in the cinema, one. cinema. <laughs> oh, that is very good then. <laughs> go and watch it on Amazon Prime. It will get me one fifth of the price of a latte if you oh. watch it on Prime. And I'm Rebecca Riddle, and you can follow me on Instagram 
at Riddle Rebecca and on Twitter at Riddle R. And I'm still Gary and you can still follow me at Pro on Instagram and on Twitter. If you are loving what you're hearing, please subscribe and share what we're doing. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please remember to rate and review. You can also leave your comments and let us know your thoughts on the films at choosefilmpodcast at hotmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at FilmChoose and on Instagram at ChooseFilmPodcast. You've been listening to Choose Film Podcast and join us next week for our discussion of In Bruges. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks. Bye. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Goodbye.